0: Shalom One of the things That testifies to the authentic nature of the Bible Is the fact that the people presented Are not presented in an idealized form They are presented words and all In other words, including all their faults and failures. In the Bible, we see people one minute staring down evil and the very next minute toying with destruction. In Numbers chapter 5, our scripture text for this morning, we are going to find that the Israelites, the chosen people of God, just about to enter the promised land is no exception. Hence, I've used the catchphrase, Tony, no, it's not going to, I'm going to teach just two times. I've used the catchphrase, two steps forward, one step back, as my sermon title, as I believe it aptly describes not only the Israelites' experiences, but our lives as well. Now, two steps forward and one step back is a catchphrase, reflecting a fictional account about a frog trying to climb out of a water well. For every two steps the frog climbs, it falls back one step, making its progress difficult. The phrase is sometimes cynically rearranged. One step forward and two steps back To reflect a situation where seemingly for every attempt to make progress in the task uh, An actual retreat takes place, uh, moving backward is achieved Israel's two step forward and one step back national story Is just like our personal life After repeated disobedience and sinning against the Lord, they had finally made great strides in seeking to live in obedience to the Lord and thereby enjoying great blessing from the Lord as a result. As we clearly saw the last two weeks of our sermon series on the book of Numbers, you recall beginning with Pastor Jonathan's sermon two weeks ago on Numbers chapter 21 when he preached on turning point. The beginning of good news. And last week, when Pastor Vincent preached from Numbers chapter 22 to chapter 24, when he talked about even more good news. Indeed, they were on the verge, as I say, of entering the promised land. Our scripture passage this morning in chapter 25, verse 1, tells us that being encamped at Shittim, they are about to cross the Jordan. And enter the promised land But alas is deja vu all over again for the Israelites Two steps forward One step back Well, the Lord had defended His people Israel From Balaam's curse You recall from last week But this morning we're going to see that the Israelites themselves instead of keeping the covenant of their God, fell into the snares of hidden destruction. I want us this morning to look at those involved in the story of Israel's fall, as we have it in Numbers chapter 25 this morning. First of all, we have the ruthless enemy. Verse 1 to verse 3, the ruthless enemy. Verse 1 to verse 3, Numbers chapter 25. Let me read, beginning with verse 1. When Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshipping the Baal of Peor and the Lord's anger burned against them. Though Balaam had been unsuccessful in cursing the people of Israel, he evidently managed to play a role, unfortunately, in the seduction here at Baal, Peor. How do I know that? Turn with me to Numbers chapter 31 verse 16. Numbers chapter 31 verse 16. tells us very clearly. Verse 16 says, They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and were the means of turning the Israelites away from the Lord in what happened at Peor. So that a plague struck the Lord's people. Granted, Balaam was behind part of the thing behind this, but I want but to point out this morning, behind Israel's idolatrous defection, beside this apostasy, was an opponent, was an enemy more sinister than Balaam. The one who is always at work to defile and to damage God's people. And he is none other than our ruthless enemy, the devil Throughout the wilderness journey Satan had used every possible device To create destruction, destruction devastation in the Israelite camp Starting way back from Numbers chapter 11 Let me give a brief recap here chapter 11, there was discontent, you recall. People were complaining about the manna they had to eat every day, and they were yearning for the leeks and garlic of Egypt. Then very quickly on to chapter 12, there was this damaged relationship within the leading, leading family of Israel, Moses' family, where sister Miriam and brother Aaron were opposing Moses' leadership as the spokesmen for God. Again, in chapter 12, we read of jealousy. The devil has so jealousy in the camp. Aaron and Miriam asserted that God spoke to us just as they spoke to you, you know, Moses. What's the difference? They were jealous. There was fear, chapter 14, that the children would die in the wilderness. Couldn't make it to the promised land. Chapter 14, again, and the devil's still insta- rebellion. You know, the fear. Faithless Israelites were made to reject God's appointed leader, Moses. Again, in chapter 14, there was disobedience. disobedient to Moses, disobedient to the Lord's command. They attacked the Amalekites and they were defeated. Then, of course, we moving to chapter 16, we have the well-known story, the, the famous Korah rebellion where a Levite had wanted to be a priest. Again, in chapter 16, the devil sowed disloyalty. There was more grumbling against Moses and against Aaron. Chapter 20, there was quarreling. They wished they had died in the chorus rebellion. And then as recent as chapter 21, we recall there was impatience where now they have to take a long detour to enter the promised land. But at the Moabite border, all right, Numbers chapter 2, chapter 22, verse 1, where they were, and came there, as I was saying, about to enter the promised land at the Moabite border. The devil had failed hopelessly, as we saw last week, in his pernicious strategy, his very dangerous strategy of sorcery. But now the devil was ready to come up with a different tactic the allurement of sexual. In morality See, the Israelite men Committed whoredom With the daughters of Moab Accepted their invitation To the sacrificial festivals of their gods Took part in their sacrificial meals And even worshipped their gods And indulging in the licentious worship Of Baal Peor Apostasy This is our ruthless enemy That is his mother's operating. You see, when the devil fails at one enterprise He quickly makes use of another He never let go He never rests He will try and try to get us down the apostle peter described the enemy as a roaring lion you recall in first peter chapter 5 verse 8 as a roaring lion who is constantly on the prowl looking for someone to devour and the devil found many a someone in israel's camp on the day that the moabite woman came to invite their men to their local party My brothers and sisters in Christ, as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, looking at what the devil had done to the Israelites, and I'm sure we get all identified with our own personal lives. We need to be alert to the devilish dangers that are always up his sleeve. In fact, the Apostle Paul warns us against this. Uh, let me just read for us. You don't have to. Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, said this. In order that Satan might not outwit us, in order that he might not outwit us, we must not be unaware of his schemes. We must not be unaware of his scheme. And so my friends, let us live life always being on this alert mode that we have a ruthless enemy that is always ready to pounce on us and to trip us. If we feel like one temptation to sin, he will quickly come up with another. That's our ruthless enemy Next we have The role model priest Verse 10 to verse 15 The role model priest Verse 10 The Lord said to Moses Phinehas son of Eleazar The son of Aaron the priest Has turned my anger away From the Israelites For he was as zealous as I am For my honour among them so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore tell him, I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honour of his God and make atonement for the Israelites. The name of the Israelite who was killed with the Mennonite woman was Zimri, son of Zalu, the leader of a Shamanite family. And the name of the Mennonite woman who was put to death was Cosby, daughter of Zur, a tribal chief of a Midianite family. Now, in the bow pure narrative that we have here before us, two characters, you notice, are portrayed in stark contrast. Both are in position of considerable social influence. But one was a son of the leading, or my, one was a son of the leading Simeonite family, we are told in verse 14. The other, the grandson of Aaron, Phineas, verse 11. But one illustrated blatant, shameful wickedness, verse 6. And the other, jealous for God's honor, verse 11 to verse 13. What a contrast What a stark contrast Now as I've said The Israelites were within sight Of the promised land But we're going to remember here also They were on the threshold Of religious and moral danger They were in danger That the worship of Baal Was not confined Only to the region of Peor You know Canaanite worship Top shrines were scattered all over the Canaanite countryside, each one with the scene of corrupt and pornographic fertility ceremonies that included immoral in rites, child sacrifice, and cult prostitution. In the fertility religions of Canaanite culture, Sexual intercourse was part of their worship. They have called prostitute, temple prostitutes. They will do the sexual act right in the act of worship, in the temple. Confronted with such sinister temptation, the question therefore would be, would Israel have the moral weakness of Zimbri or would he have the spiritual commitment Of Phineas You see Up to this point I mean wandering 40 years in the wilderness There was little temptation To engage in debased Fertility rights right? in, a, in, in, in the wilderness But right now About to enter this agricultural Surrounding filled with Fertility rights I mean they are all over the place And not only that in the temple where they worship the Israelites must not minimize the seriousness of sin and the temptation to it to compromise with evil as they had just done, we read in our Bible was to incur God's wrath facing a morally precarious future and a decision that has to be made they needed a visual example of what it meant to obey God. So at this tragic moment in their history, we read that Aaron's grandson Phineas became Israel's role model in at least three ways. That I'd like to point out to our attention this morning. In at least three ways. First of all, I suggest that Phineas was obedient to God's word. Phineas, the role model, was obedient. To God's word, you see, practices such as all this that we are reading here at Baal Peor was totally forbidden by God. Scripture is very clear in the Bible. Israel was told, in fact, to destroy all such authors. You can read about this in Exodus chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-four. Leviticus chapter twenty-six, verse one. They've been warned not to compromise with such disastrous snares. Exodus chapter 34. They were in fact commanded to destroy all these heathen authors to break down their pornographic Asherah poles. No compromise at all. Before they left Sinai, the Israelites had been warned. The alien religious rituals will confront them with spiritual and moral danger. So in fact, following the golden calf episode, right back in Exodus chapter, 22, chapter 32, they have been told about what will happen to them if they enter into a close relationship with people of other religious alliances, other religious beliefs. So actually, he anticipated the Baal Peor tragedy that we have here in Numbers chapter 25, with a frighteningly identical scenario that had been warned time and time again in Exodus chapter 34. Now, Phineas knew that Zimri's parading, parading, Openly right, Parading of the Mohammed Woman Publicly fronting Their sin Really you know, Basically defying God At the very moment when The congregation of Israel were grieving Over their sin at the tent of meeting Phineas knew that this Was a public rejection Of God's word For his people and by his people. The notoriously corrupt example here, by simply must be encountered by a good one. And so Phineas goes to the occasion. After all, he was a priest. He was a priest who not only knows the word of God, who taught the word of God. He knew the penalty for such idolatrous and immoral practices that he was deft. And he acted swiftly in obedience to God's word as the leader of the community, as a judge, as a priest. Because what Phineas knew, that God has said in Exodus chapter 22, verse 20, that whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be what? Destroyed destroyed, Exodus chapter 22, verse 20. So here was a man ready to obey God's word, ready to do his will, however unpopular. And by his swift action, we are told here in verse 8, the plague against the Israelites was stopped as God turned away his wrath from Israel. It was certainly Time you know, for someone to take action For when Phineas, told in verse 7 Took the spear in his hand Then look very quickly down to verse 9 Those whose lives have been claimed by the plague has already risen to 24,000 people 24,000 by then have already been struck dead by the Lord Phineas was obedient to the word of God He knew the word of God and he knew what needs to be done even killing zimbri and the moabite women secondly as a role model phineas was not only obedient to god's word he was zealous for god's honor phineas was zealous for god's honor verse 11 we're told that a priest intervention phineas intervention with holy zeal saved the lives of thousands. As I've said, 24,000 have already perished. So here was a man willing to put God first, whatever the cost. It was not only that specific commandments in God's word had been broken, and Phineas knew that, but because the honour of God's name was also at stake. The honour of God's name, and Phineas was zealous for God's honour. I mean, if the sin had been overlooked and it did nothing, what would those Melabites must have thought of Israel's claim to uh, exclusive spiritual allegiance and to the high moral standard that God had had taught them for this chosen people of God? The Mohammedites must have imagined that people could worship Israel's God and behave as corruptly and as sinfully as everybody else. And what a testament that, that would have been to the surrounding nations. But the public honour of God's name was an even more important matter for the Israelites than it was among their Canaanite neighbours. So verse 13, the Lord says very clearly, the Lord said "Phineas was as zealous for the honour of his God. Always and in all circumstances, God was to be exalted and adored within his community of people. Not ignored, not disgraced, not despised as he was, both by these sinful practices here at Baal Peor and by the adulterous behavior of this couple, Zimri and the Minak woman in Israel's camp. Hence, Hence, Phineas to me personalized, personified the priestly ideal recorded for us in Malachi chapter 2, verse 5, where Malachi chapter 2, verse 5 says, He revered me and stood in all of my name. He revered me and stood in all of my name. How many among us will earn that commendation? From the Lord That we revere God And we stand in awe Of his name you see my friends, today The honour of God's name Is just as crucial a priority As it was for Phineas and his days It's just as crucial a priority for the Christian and for our church today, the church today living as we do in a society that has very little if no regard for spiritual values and moral purity. And Singapore is not spent. You'll soon know in the coming days, the moral decline that the nation is taking. Be warned and be alert to the devil's devices. May Phinehas' tribe increase. People who are zealous for the honour of God's name. The role model priest Phinehas was not only obedient to God's word and zealous for God's name. Thirdly, he was committed to God's service. Phinehas was committed to God's service. You see, every community needs exemplary leaders and moral guardians. So It was the responsibility of the Aaronic priesthood and the responsibility of the Levites to uphold spiritual standards in an age when the divine will was constantly challenged by alien culture. And especially now the chosen people of God are about to enter in a Canaanite culture All around them So as the Israelites Came at Shittim Here was Visible evidence That however degraded The moral environment might be, There will be those Who determined Who are determined to walk with God In uprightness And turn others away From their sin. Thank the Lord that Donald always has his remnant And his faithful one Phineas therefore represented a new generation Ready to commit themselves to the Lord To his worship To his word And to his work It was God's intention that in every generation There will always be those who share the zeal of Phineas and for this act of divine zeal, we are told in verse 11 to verse 13 that the eternal possession of the priesthood was now promised to Phinehas and all his descendants. This disastrous incident here at Shittim testify not only to the Israelites about the nature of God's holiness, that God cannot tolerate sin. Verse eleven. He knowing testified to the Israelites about God's mercy, that his appointed priest made atonement for the Israelites so that did not put an end God did not put an end to all of them, but he also testified to God's justice. Not just for his people, the Israelites, but to the Moabites and the Mennonites in particular, as we will see in a moment. It's going to manifest itself, God's justice, when people sin and sin blatantly, God's judgment will swiftly follow. So Zimri and the Mennonite woman, Cosby, and all their immoral accomplices did not escape divine judgment as we're going to see. Neither did the depraved Moabites and the Midianites, who by enticing the Lord's people as I pointed out already we are told in chapter 31 verse 16 that they followed Balaam's advice and were means of turning the Israelites away from the Lord. In Numbers chapter 31 verse 16 they too came under the judgment of a just and a righteous God. Which we're going to turn our attention to in a moment, and then you you read you'll come you see that clearly again in when we come to Numbers chapter thirty one. So, anticipating a different lifestyle in a new environment, the severely chastised Israelites were taught that trifling with sin had little consequences, have deadly consequences. So, thirdly and finally. We have the retributive God. The retributive God. Verse 4 to verse 9 and verse 16 to verse 18. Let's look first of all at verse 4 to verse 9. Because of the sexual sin with the Merhomite woman, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel, Judges, each of you must put to death those of the men who have joined in worshipping the Baal of Peor. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed Israel into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. Then the plague against Israel was stopped, but those who died in the plague, number 24,000. The retribution of God. While this saw it, Events, this, all these shameful events of the Israelites' whoredom and idolatry took place in the Moabite camp. We are told in verse 3 the Lord's anger had already burned against them. Why? Because they have ignored his word, they have offended his holiness, they have dishonored his name, they have ruined his testimony of who God is. And when you do all those things, or even just any one of them, you can be sure of this. You incur the wrath of God. And Moses here was told to act in judgment towards the leaders of the people who had participated in this outrage. Presumably, why? Why so the leaders? Because they are the ones who are supposed to. It excites the influence As responsible and, and accountable leaders To restrain the people of God From going to, into sin But they did not So we are told in verse 5 Therefore those who have joined In the worshipping of Baal or Peor Were to be executed And no need then. Look at verse 4 It was to be a public spectacle Exposed in broad Daylight You see, the offense was such a public act Of apostasy That it could not possibly Be overlooked So serious was this sin Here That despite when Israel was still On on the very threshold of the promised land That the Lord commanded Moses To take serious action All the guilty ones involved What? Must Die. Scary. But sad. In fact, this incident here, this grossness of sin and obscenity, as a result, reform British Old Testament scholar, Gordon Wenham, in his Tindale Old Testament commentary on the book of Numbers, said that alongside with the golden calf incident, with which he has many perils, huh? with the golden calf and this one, this is what Gordon Wenham said, and I quote It went down in Israel history as one of their worst acts of idolatrous behavior, an ugly stain impossible to obliterate from their corporate memory. Why so? Because it is evident even the psalmist later on recount this incident in Psalm one hundred and six. Even the prophet had Hosea years later make reference to this incident in Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. Very quickly moving on to sixteen. Verse 18, God's judgment on the Midianites Verse 16, the Lord said to Moses Treat the Midianites as enemies and kill them Why? Because they treated you as enemies When they deceived you in the affair of Peor And your sister Kospi, the daughter of a Midianite leader The woman who was killed when the plague came As a result of Peor According to these three short concluding verses Quite properly, we are reminded that while the account of defection begins with the Moabites, we're told here very clearly it concludes with the Midianites as well. Because the text quite certainly suggests that the Midianite woman had acted deliberately and craftily in going to the camp with Zimri. And when God instructs Moses to act against, the Midianites, the command make make very emphatic the repetition that the Midianites were not to spare because they were just as guilty. And because the Midianites had attacked Israel by their scheme of sexual and idolatrous seduction, God called Israel to attack them in return. And this military endeavor will happen We'll cover us in Numbers chapter 31 So we see here, this is actually a logical inference yeah? That the action of Zimbri and Cosby, the Midianite woman, were not isolated The fact that the whole Midianites were involved Suggests to us that they may be common among the Israelites As they were lured by the woman of Midian And so we see here a culmination then Of this insidious plot Of these enemies of God's people Satan will spare no effort In getting whoever And whatever he wants To get people to sin As I conclude this morning let me ask all of us This question Not to dance <laughs> But to ask is your life And my life Marching to the temple Of two steps forward And one step back Is this catchphrase Marching This, this Catchphrase Two steps forward one, one step back Characteristic of your life and my life. You know, carelessly indulging in sin is something. But to deliberately sin against God, like Zimbri that Simonite did, is horrible. His arrogant attitude also say, you know, in spite of the people already placed under judgment and thousands are already dying, but under God's judgment, to take a manatee woman back into Israel camp and to commit that sin. You know, that, that attitude that says, I don't care about you, Moses, or any guys for that matter, in fact, I don't care about you, God, I'll go my way. Actually, I did it my way Did not originate in Frank Sinatra Okay It originated actually From time immemorial And we find this Zimbri attitude everywhere Today, don't we? Everywhere today, even in in our own lives In my own life Despite Repeated reminders and warnings The children Of Israel deliberately and boldly sin against the Lord And not only that But in unmistakable Brazen And unabashed manner But Listen Listen But deliberate And atrocious And daring And rebellious sinners Who know about the truth And yet sin Would be severely punished And it will be fatal Like this at times So be one. Be one. Or well, the Zimri attitude true is found everywhere today. I don't care attitude is my But remember that God's wrath will also come swiftly and suddenly against the Zimri attitude. So we need to guard ourselves from lust especially from sexual sin in my idolatry. My brothers and sisters in Christ, stay away from deliberate sin. Stay away from deliberate sin. Let us pray. Almighty God, our gracious Heavenly Father, Deliver us all from that zimri attitude. And we pray instead, Lord, you develop in all of us the phineas attitude. The one whose zeal met with your approval. Such, even, such as, that even some 1,000 years later, that zeal was recorded for us in First Chronicles, chapter nine verse 20, when Ezra was inspired to write, It was Phineas, the son of Eleazar, that happened to be leader over them in the past. Jehovah was with him. And so Lord, our prayer this morning, gracious Lord. may that be true of all of us who take the lead among God's people today? In fact, Lord. May that be true of all all of us as Christians who serve him faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.